Well, good morning, Embrace. Welcome to Embrace. We're about to get started. My name is Tanya. I'm one of the associate pastors here. And if you have not met me yet, welcome. I can't wait to meet you. Uh, just a few, a couple of announcements before we get started this morning. Uh, if you are new with us or you have a prayer request, we have a very dedicated prayer team that keeps your prayer requests confidential. And if you will fill out one of these connect cards, we would love to connect with you and to pray with you. But we'd just love to know a little bit more about you and to be able to connect with you. There's also an announcement sheet. If you've not gotten one, you can grab them in the back or up this way. And on these announcements are some really great things that are happening. There's a lot happening this week, so be sure to pick that up. For my online friends, thank you for joining us. I'll be online in just a moment, um, but I will put those announcements in the chat uh, as soon as I get there. And last but not least, one of the ways that we worship here is to also give. And so um, if you would like to give, there is a giving box back to the back. It's a beautiful wooden box. And then there's one also up over here on this side. So um, I would love for the worship team to get us started with a little bit of liturgy and worship. Welcome to Embrace. Thanks, Tanya. I invite you all to stand with us and let's join in this call to worship. Let's open our hearts and minds to what the Lord has for us this morning. O Lord, let my soul rise up to meet you. As the day rises to meet the sun, glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Come tear down the walls I've built up, every wall I've built up, every wall I've built up. Cause you deserve every piece of my heart, every piece of my heart, every piece of my heart. And come tear down the walls I've built up, every wall I've built up, every wall I've built up. Cause you deserve every piece of my heart, every piece of my heart, every piece of my heart. And Lord, I am trusting that you are a faithful Father, and all that you have, it is good. And you're a generous giver, your love's like no other, won't you come and break through to me? Closer, you're drawing me in as the depths of my heart lay before you again. And over and over and over again, I am bringing my heart to you with open hands. Closer and closer, you're drawing me in as the depths of my heart lay before you.
And Lord, I am trusting that you are a faithful Father and all that you have, it is good. And you're a generous giver, your love's like no other, won't you come and break through to me over and over and over again. I am bringing my heart to you with open hands. Closer and closer, you're drawing me in as the depths of my heart lay before you again. And over and over and over again, I am bringing my heart to you with open hands. Closer and closer, you're drawing me in as the depths of my heart lay before you again. Every wall I've built up, cause you deserve every piece of my heart, every piece of my heart, every piece of my heart. Come tear down the walls and come and tear down the walls I've built up, every wall I've built up, every wall I've built up, cause you deserve every piece of my heart. Every piece of my heart, every piece of my heart. We know nothing is able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Let us in freedom confess the wrong we have done. Merciful God, we confess we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, we're going to transition into our gratitude and lament time, and this is a time where you can uh, turn to a neighbor, someone close to you, and share something about your life, and they can share something about theirs. And uh, we've all gone through things this week. We have praises and we have things that just didn't feel like they went right or things that we see that are wrong in the world. And feel free to open yourself up and, and share something if you feel comfortable. And we'll keep uh, worshiping here in just a few moments.
I invite you to stand with us. Let's uh, welcome Jesus into this place this morning. Here is our King, here is our love, here is our God who's come to bring us back to Him. And He is the one, He is Jesus. And He is our King, He is our love, He is our God who's come to bring us back to Him. And He is the one, He is Jesus. From wherever spring arise to heal the ground. From wherever searching comes to look itself. A trace of what we're looking for. So be quiet now and wait. The ocean. Growing, the tide is coming in, and here it is. And here is our King, here is our love, here is our God who's come to bring us back to Him. He is the one, He is Jesus, and He is our King. our God who's come to bring us back to Him. He is the one, He is Jesus. And what was said to the rose to make it unfold was said to me here in my chest, so be quiet now and rest so be quiet now and rest the ocean is growing the tide is coming in and here it is and here is our king here is our love, here is our God who's come to bring us back to Him. He is the one, He is Jesus. And He is our King, He is our love, He is our God who's come to bring us back to Him. He is the one, He is Jesus. And here is our King, here is our love, here is our God who's come to bring us back to Him. He is the one, He is Jesus. And He is our King, He is our love, He is our God who's come to bring us back to Him. He is the one. 
like you, and there is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those Y'all can have a seat. Well, good morning. My name is John Gallagher, and I'm the lead pastor here at Embrace, and I just want to welcome each and every one of you here today. I do feel God's presence in this space, and I know God wants to, to do something in us and through us this morning, and so I encourage you to open your heart to Receive something from God uh, in this space today. Um, today is an exciting day uh, because a couple of folks um, who have been part of our church for quite some time are going to become members. And so I'm going to invite Russell and Tabitha Grimes to come stand up here with me this morning. Y'all can stand right here and face uh, the church. Russell and Tabitha are uh, very active at our Monday night ministry called The Gathering. They are here every week early um, to help set up and participate. You got your communion good. Um, they are here very early uh, to help set up. They participate in our prayer time. Um, they encourage other folks that are there. They create a really welcoming and just uh, wonderful atmosphere on Mondays. Uh, I regularly see both of them just engaging people in conversation and really asking them how their weeks are and ministering to them. And, and they're not just uh, attenders on Mondays, they're leaders on Mondays, and they're leaders here in this church. And so um, they told me recently, uh, told me and Christina, that uh, they wanted to make it official and become members of Embrace, and they've just found so much love at this church and shared a lot of love at this church too. 
And so it's really exciting uh, when people decide they want to kind of make it official. You can come to Embrace and be fully a part of our church, even if you aren't a member and you're still part of our family. But I do love when people make that decision to say, hey, I'm going to stay rooted here. I'm going to put down roots in this place and commit to this group of people um, here uh, on North Limestone Street, North Lexington. And so uh, we're going to celebrate that today. But I've got a few questions to ask you all. These are very simple. Um, the first ones are I do. Russell said he said I do a while back when he got married. Uh, so this is going to be a little different, a little different. I guess you're kind of getting married to our church this morning in a way. Um, but uh, these first few will be I do, and I'll let you know when it goes to I will. But the first one, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers in this world, and repent of your sin? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord and union with the church which Christ has opened to all people of all ages, nations, and races? Do you receive and profess the Christian faith that's contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments? And then this next one you'll say, I will, these next couple. Will you remain a faithful member of Christ's holy church and serve as Christ's representative in the world? Will you be loyal to Christ through the United Methodist Church and do all in your power to strengthen its ministries? And this last one is uh, the big one. You can say, I will. As a member of Embrace Church, will you faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? All right, Embrace Church, I want to commend these two people before you uh, to your love and care. Do all in your power to help them stay on the right path following closely after their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Love them, encourage them, challenge them, and push them closer to God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let's give them a hand and welcome them into the church family. Y'all can go have a seat. I encourage you all at the end of the service, uh, before you leave today, to, to welcome them in uh, to the church family and introduce yourself if you don't know them. And I'll also invite you to come on a Monday night and check out what we do on Mondays. Uh, it's a really, really special um, group of folks on Mondays every week who are just there uh, digging into the Word and uh, sharing food together and serving and reaching out. It's just a really beautiful uh, time to spend together. What we're going to do now is we're going to spend some time in prayer, um, like we do each week. Um, actually, before that, I want to share just a couple of quick announcements with you, um, because there's a couple of things I want to remind you of that are coming up. The first one is we have the uh, Easter banners that we gave out last week. This is for you um, and your household, so if it's just you and your house, you can take one. If there's multiple people in your household, y'all take one together to work on, because we don't have enough for every single individual in the church to have one. Um, and so those are for you to take home, work on, and basically the only basic instruction is that we wanted to say hallelujah somewhere on the banner. And there is an example in the cafe, and there's also instructions in the announcement sheet and also in the email. And so I encourage you after the service to go into the cafe, and Emily, will you be there? Um, Emily Posey, who is our artist in residence, um, will be there. Uh, we can give Emily a hand. Um, Emily will be there to answer any questions you might have or just to give you some ideas if you're struggling to know what to do. Uh, she'll be there to help you um, think about that. And you can work on it um, 
take it home and work on it. You can also come early on Easter Sunday and work on it then if you would like. And then we're going to have a big procession on Easter Sunday where we're going to carry these through the sanctuary. And then we're also going to display them for the season of Easter for those, uh, I think it's about, 50, yeah, the 50-day season of Eastertide after Easter. We're going to display those somewhere here in our sanctuary. Uh, we haven't figured out exactly where yet, but they will be displayed somewhere. Um, so we're excited about that. So I encourage you to take one of those. Also, this coming Friday, we're having a Good Friday service, and it's always a really somber and meaningful time to come together and reflect on Jesus' crucifixion and what that means uh, for us and all Jesus endured for the sake of the world. And so I encourage you to come out on Good Friday at 6 o'clock. We'll be here in our sanctuary in Laban, and some other folks are going to be leading that service. We'll have a lot of scripture and a lot of music some prayer, some activities, um, so come out on Good Friday and celebrate that. Then on Easter Sunday, which is one week away, we're almost there, we're going to have a sunrise service for those early risers, come out at 7 a.m., we'll be outside, weather permitting, and we're going to have a short service of some prayer and some scriptures and some song, and then after that, if you would like, you can come into the church, into the cafe, and we're going to share some light refreshments and coffee, just spend a little bit of time together. And then you can come back at 11 a.m. for our big Easter uh, celebration service that we're going to have at 11 a.m. And that will be a service for everybody. Um, with it being Easter and a holiday, uh, we're not going to be able to have our nursery, and we're not also going to have Wonder Room. And so it's going to be a wild time in here with the little ones all the way to the oldest, all together. But I think it's beautiful to do that every now and then. Trust me, I will preach a very short sermon. So uh, don't worry, parents, I will not... Uh, talk forever. I will do my best to be disciplined. And uh, so that'll be on Easter at 11 a.m. I encourage you to come. It's going to be a really fun time. Our Easter services are always a lot of fun. And then I encourage you to read the rest of the announcement. There is a lunch today, right, Rick? Um, after the service um, for our seasoned embracers is what they're calling themselves. Um, it's for our folks who are, is it 55 and older, right? 55 and older, uh, they are seasoned, they, they've lived a good life, you know, there's lots there, lots of depth, you know, um, and they're hosting a gathering for 55 and older, those folks, to get together for lunch today. Um, no, we're not going to say old, Rick, we're not going to say that, um, but they're going to be doing that after church, so if you have any questions, Rick, put your hand up, this is Rick, he can answer any questions you might have about that. And they're going to be meeting after church for lunch at Grayline Station, which is just right up the street here. So, yeah, I think that's the main things I have to announce. And also, there is no uh, youth group this week. And so, we, uh, with it being spring break, uh, the youth group is taken off this week, but they'll be back the week after that. So, I'm going to stop talking, and I'm going to invite you all into a time of prayer together. So, if you'd like to kneel at the altar, uh, then you are welcome to join me. If you'd like to stay in your seats, totally cool, too. We're just going to spend a few moments in prayer this morning. And I've decided to do something a little bit different this morning for our time of prayer. Some years we celebrate this Sunday as Palm Sunday. But since we're doing this sermon series focused on the last week of Jesus, we already talked about Palm Sunday a few weeks ago, and so we're celebrating another day, which you can also celebrate today, called Passion Sunday. And it's really the Sunday that, that where you reflect 
on kind of the passion of Jesus, all the suffering he went through all the way up to his crucifixion. And so I want to read um, during our time of prayer the text from Friday in the Gospel of Mark. And it's a, it's a decent amount of text, but I want you all to receive this story in a prayerful way and just receive these words and hear these words about what Jesus went through. And today in particular, on my heart, um, are what James Cone talked about as the crucified peoples of history. Those folks throughout history that have experienced abuse, victims of violence, people who have been marginalized and pushed aside, those who have lost their lives and been hurt by the hands of others. And as we reflect on Jesus' passion, one thing that we can remember is that God stands in solidarity with those who suffer and that Jesus was willing to go through all sorts of pain and suffering, all the evil that this world could throw at him. And he went through it because he had a heart of love and a passion for the kingdom of God. So I'm going to be reading from Mark chapter 15. As soon as it was morning, the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes in the whole council. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered him, You say so. Then the chief priest accused him of many things. Pilate asked him again, Have you no answer? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further reply, so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the festival, he used to release a prisoner for them, anyone whom they ask. Now a man called Barabbas was in prison with the rebels who had committed murder during the insurrection. So the crowd came and began to ask Pilate to do for them according to his custom. Then he answered them, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he realized that it was out of jealousy that the chief priest had handed him over. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him release Barabbas for them instead. Pilate spoke to them again, Then what do you wish me to do with the man you call the king of the Jews? They shouted back, Crucify him. Pilate asked them, Why, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released Barabbas for them. And after flogging Jesus, he had handed him over to be crucified. Then the soldiers led him into the courtyard of the palace, that is, the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole cohort, and they clothed him in a purple cloak. And after twisting some thorns into a crown, they put it on him. And they began saluting him, Hail, King of the Jews! They struck his head with a reed, spat upon him, and knelt down in homage to him. After mocking him, they stripped him of his purple cloak, and put his clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. They compelled a passerby who was coming in from the country to carry his cross. It was Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Then they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his clothes among them, casting lots to decide what each should take. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two bandits, 
one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priest, along with the scribes, were also mocking him among themselves and saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross now so that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also taunted him. When it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. At three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, Sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the passerbys heard it, they said, Listen, he is calling for Elijah. And someone ran, filled a sponge with sour wine, and put it on a stick and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. Then Jesus gave a loud cry and breathed his last, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly this man was God's son. There were also women looking on from a distance. Among them was Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James the younger and of Joseph and Salome. These used to follow him and provided for him when he was in Galilee. And there were many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem. When evening had come, and since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate wondered if he were already dead, and summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he had been dead for some time. When he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the body to Joseph. Then Joseph bought, brought, bought a linen cloth and taking down the body, wrapped it in the linen cloth and laid it in a tomb that had been honed out of the rock. He then rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where the body was laid. Just take a moment of silence. Now you can join me and pray this prayer that Jesus taught us, his disciples, to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So for the past five weeks, we've spent the season of Lent studying the last week of Jesus' life. 
like I've said, the gospel writers spent a disproportionate amount of time really talking about eight days, those eight days of Holy Week starting on Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday. And today is the day we begin Holy Week. And we decided to spend the entire season of Lent focusing just on these days. And if you look around the room, the pieces of art that we have throughout the room are serving as icons for us to, to give us um, images to use in our prayer life as we reflect on those eight days of Jesus' life. We have covered Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And now we come to Friday, perhaps the darkest day in the history of our world, the day that the Son of God was executed by crucifixion. Through our sermon series on Jesus' last week, we've really sought to understand how the events of Sunday through Thursday led to the awful injustice on Friday. What was it about those days in Jerusalem that, that led the, the powerful folks in Jerusalem to want to arrest Jesus and have him killed? Through studying the book of Mark, we've, we've really seen that Jesus himself made very deliberate choices that put him in direct confrontation with the political and religious authorities. He chose to confront the powers during the week of Passover, a volatile time in Jerusalem. On Sunday, he entered the city in a very public and dramatic way, riding in on a colt, declaring the coming of a new king. On Monday, he went into the temple and staged a direct action campaign, turning over the tables and disrupting the economic activities, ultimately condemning the temple as a den of robbers. On Thursday, he went out and spent the day in the temple courts, publicly arguing with the religious authorities and experts. He called them out for oppressing the poor, and then he prophesied the destruction of the temple. By Wednesday, the Jewish collaborators, those leaders in Jerusalem who had aligned themselves with the Roman Empire, they decided that Jesus had to go. They feared the crowds, and so they figured out a way to take him captive in secret. They found a traitor, Judas, who sold Jesus out for some cash. Jesus was now a marked man. It was only a matter of time before Jesus would be apprehended. On Thursday, Jesus and his disciples and some other followers entered back into the city from Bethany, and they shared a secret Passover meal in a home in Jerusalem. After that meal, they got up and left and went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. The disciples failed to keep watch, and the authorities found Jesus and his friends in the garden. He was arrested, and the wheels of injustice kicked into motion. That night, on Thursday night, he was charged, tried, and sentenced, all in one night, by some Jewish collaborators in the middle of the night. It all happened so fast, and there was nothing to be done to stop it. This brings us to Friday, the day that is often called Good Friday. I've never quite understood that name because it was not a good day, but it was a day full of suffering, evil, and violence. When I traveled to Jerusalem a few years ago, I walked a path in the old city of Jerusalem that they call the Via Dolorosa, 
which means the way of sorrows. It is believed to be the path that Jesus walked on his way to his crucifixion on the cross. Friday is often called the passion of the Christ, and the word passion means suffering. Friday was not a good day. It was a day of suffering, injustice, and violence, and sorrow. The way Jesus was executed was by crucifixion. Now, if you read, um, if you were listening as I read Mark's account of the crucifixion, you may have noticed that when Mark talks about the crucifixion, he doesn't really give any details about how it happened. He simply says, they crucified him. Now, he doesn't need to give any details because his readers would have known what a crucifixion entailed. People in the first century knew about crucifixions because they happened. And they often happen always really in public because they were meant to be done in public to strike fear in the hearts of the people. People knew about crucifixions and they were terrified by crucifixions. This type of capital punishment was, was really reserved for people that were rebels, insurrectionists, people who had risen up against the Roman Empire. You may recall that Jesus was crucified between two men. In Mark, in our translation, it read bandits, but these were rebels. These were men who rose up against the Roman government. And crucifixions were meant to publicly say, if you rise up against the government, this is what will happen to you. The Jewish people were living under the control of the Roman Empire. And, and honestly, the Jewish people had not been free for many, many generations. They lived under the rule of oppressive empires who often treated them very poorly. Every year, the Jewish people remember the story of the Exodus. And that was a time in their history when they were set free from an oppressive empire in Egypt and delivered to freedom. Now these stories of liberation, imagine rehearsing that story every single year. There were folks every generation that were inspired and challenged to stand up and try to take back their land from the powerful empires that dominated their people. And the story of Exodus kind of gave them boldness and courage to do this. There were many rebel movements that, that rose up over the years with Jewish people trying to take back their land from those who had taken control. Have you ever seen the movie Black Panther? I have not seen the second one yet, but the first one. It came out a few years ago, and I really loved Black Panther. I thought it was an incredible film. And I got to go see it actually with some youth from our community a few years ago. But my favorite character in the movie, and a lot of people agreed with me, was a character named Killmonger. And I don't know if you remember this guy, but Killmonger had a very rough life. Um, he, his character experienced a great amount of pain and trauma throughout his life. Almost everything had been taken from him. His father had been killed. He had no one. And he just watched as society mistreated his people. And his mission was to take back from the people who had taken from him. And he killed a lot of people in the process. And many people have identified with this character, resonating with that anger, that desire to fight back. And it makes sense, right? Because if someone is taking good things from us, then our natural instinct is to want to take good things from them, to get revenge. They've taken everything from me, therefore I'm going to take everything from them. 
before the Romans claimed control of that part of the world where the Jews were living, there was um, another dynasty before that called the Greek Seleucid dynasty. Now, these folks were not very good to the Jewish people, and they killed many Jewish people. They took so much from them. The Jews were obviously angry about this. This conflict reached a tipping point when the Greeks went into the temple and they set up an altar to the god of Zeus and then they sacrificed pigs on the altar in the temple. If you know much about the Jewish faith, you know that this would be an awful thing to do, right? To set up an idol to another god and then to sacrifice an unclean animal like that in the temple, this clearly angered some people. And, and, and really, it reached its tipping point. You're going to take my family. You're going to take my nation. You've taken my land, and now you're going to take my religion from me? No, that's not going to happen. And so this family named the Maccabees had enough. And they were warriors. They were tough dudes, all right? Uh, their name is thought to have originated uh, from a word that meant the hammer, because they, they were really just like intense, violent, tough people, right? They put down the hammer on folks. They were fierce in battle. And they led a revolt against the Greeks, and they straight up kicked them out of their land. They cleansed the temple, and they took control of their land for a brief period of time. When Simon Maccabee, the great warrior, returned to Jerusalem, he was praised as a messiah a deliverer of the people. People waved palm branches as a sign of victory. This is the kind of Messiah that many people were looking for, a warrior who would fight for their people. Now, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, taking the road from the Mount of Olives towards the eastern wall of the city, what did people do? They waved palm branches, essentially saying, Jesus, be our deliverer. Our mighty warrior, free us from the Romans. Take back what they have taken from us. Now, as the week progressed, it became clear that Jesus was not going to be a warrior that maybe some hoped he would be. By Friday, Jesus had been arrested. He had been tortured and turned over to the Roman government. He was in a weak, vulnerable position, not the mighty warrior that perhaps many had hoped for. According to the Gospels, there was a custom in that part of the world where the Romans would release a Jewish prisoner once a year and perhaps to kind of help keep the people happy. It was throwing them a bone saying, hey, we'll release you a prisoner. You'll be happy with us. You'll try to keep some relative peace in our area. And Pilate, it says in the story, offered to release Jesus as part of that custom. And he asked, do you want me to release Jesus to you? And there was a crowd of people outside his fortress. We don't know who was in that crowd. Some argue it was a small group of people. Some think it was a larger group. But regardless, the story tells us that instead of releasing Jesus, they asked that Pilate release a man named Barabbas. Now, Barabbas uh, was a person who didn't mess around. He, He was a violent man. He was arrested for opposing the Roman government. He led a revolt, and he killed um, some Jewish collaborators in the process. He stole money to use for the resistance. Now, Barabbas 
probably reminded the Jews of their heroes of old, right? Perhaps Barabbas reminded them of the hammer. Barabbas' vision for Israel involved revenge and payback and violent retribution. He was going to lead by force. He was going to take back that oppressive taxation money. He was going to help restore wealth and prosperity and restore the Jewish kingdom. The people in the crowd chose that path of physical strength and military might. Can you blame them? Haven't we often chose the same thing throughout history too many times to count? Like I said, today is often celebrated as Palm Sunday. And it's usually a joyful day of waving palm branches and shouting Hosanna. And it's easy to lose sight of the fact that Palm Sunday, that beginning of Jesus' last week, was not probably a very exciting day for Jesus. Luke tells us that when he approached the city, he wept over Jerusalem. And he said, if you had only knew, if you had only known what would bring you peace. It wasn't another hammer or a killmonger. Peace wouldn't come through taking. Jesus knew that peace would only come through giving. And so Jesus gave us the greatest gift one can give. He gave his life. He literally gave his breath and his blood and his body for the world. Think about when Jesus rose from the dead. He didn't go after his accusers. He didn't take a legion of angels with him to go take back his dignity from those soldiers who mocked him. He didn't show up to the Jewish high council and and brag about the fact that they couldn't kill him. No, he went and found his friends and he forgave them. And he commissioned them to go transform their communities through love. You know, all of us in this room have been wronged in some way. And some of you may have been wronged more than others. (laughs) People have taken things from us, taken our dignity. Some of us taken our wealth, our stuff, our innocence. People have hurt us. Institutions have left left us, let us down. Churches have wronged us. And we can get revenge. It's an option. We can try to take back what's been taken from us. We can allow that anger and bitterness to consume us. We can shut people out who but set us. But that cycle will likely just continue, just like it has for so long. Desmond Tutu, when he, he was living, argued that there was no future. There's no future, he said, without forgiveness. Dr. King in the same vein, argued that hate is destructive and tears down, but love has the power to build and restore and redeem. Jesus reminds us over and over and over again that love is the answer. Dorothy Day simply said that love and more love is the solution. You know, we have a tendency in our world to divide. It's us versus them. I've seen these flags and I it's a military thing, I know, but it says, don't tread on me. You've probably seen these. They have, people have them out in our community. And it's this idea that, that I think is, is really not what Jesus is about. It's me versus you. Stay away from me, right? Don't, don't come in my way, and I won't come onto yours, right? Donald Trump recently said these words to his followers. He said, I am your warrior I am your justice, and for those of you who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution. Our current president, Joe Biden, quoted the Bible a few years ago to justify sending troops to fight battles against our enemies. 
And then he said these words to those who carried out this attack. As well as anyone who wishes America harm, know this. We will not forgive. We will not forget. We will hunt you down and make you pay. We will defend our interest and our people with every measure at my command. We keep dividing and drawing lines and building walls and fighting for our own self-interest while Jesus is calling us to something radically different. If only they knew what would bring them peace. Putting ourselves first, isolating ourselves from others, and seeking vengeance just isn't working. And Jesus says that love and more love is the solution. Father Greg Boyle says that if love is the answer, community is the context and tenderness is the methodology. And what he's saying is if love is the answer and communities is where we're going to actually show it to one another, and the way we show it is through practicing tenderness with one another, treating each other with kindness and love and gentleness in the way we relate to each other. More hate, more guns, more violence, more distance, it's not going to change things. But I believe love can. Love often doesn't seem practical. It sometimes seems incredibly out of touch with the real world. And it may seem very unrealistic. But that's the example Jesus gives us. And Scripture says that God used the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And so maybe we should pay attention to what Jesus is offering us here. Jesus gave himself for others, and he's called us to do the same. And perhaps if enough of us in our small little corner of the world begin to live this way, showing tenderness to each other in our community, then perhaps there won't be any more us versus them. It'll just be us. Mother Teresa said, if we have no peace... It is because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. We're going to share communion this morning. And, and you know, I, I get excited about these ideas as well, you know, like you all. Um, but we also have to remember that, that love is, is gritty, it, love is hard. That the path of love is woven in sacrifice, I heard someone once say. That, that, that love and pain go hand in hand. Love and suffering go hand in hand. Jesus' passion for love and for the kingdom of God led to his passion on the cross. And so if we're truly going to seek to be people who love one another, it's going to take, take intentionality. It's going to take effort. It's going to take sacrifice for one another. And, and as a community at Embrace, we are in a moment in the history of our church, in the history of, of, of that we're living in in the world right now to truly put this into practice and try to love each other in this gritty way, in this way where we stay committed to one another through difficult times, through hard conversations, through dealing and wrestling with hard and confusing subjects at our church. We have an opportunity to truly practice this kind of love that Jesus was laying out for us. And often our love is so, uh, it's so weak sometimes. And I'm saying this for myself. Often it's so weak, it's not deep, and we just kind of like, well, my love doesn't really like mean that I'm going to be committed like that, you know. But Jesus is always calling us to something higher. He's calling us to something more radical. And we share the Lord's Supper every week. 
And this ought to remind us every single week of what kind of love Jesus is talking about. It's a love with teeth. It's a love that, that really is, is the evidence of it is the way that we actually treat one another and the way we love one another. And the beautiful thing is we can, we can start here in this, in this church and then we can let it spill out, out into our communities in the way that we love and show tenderness and that goodness to one another in our day-to-day lives. And, and it's an honor that God has invited us that God has invited us into this way of life to truly see this world transform and be redeemed. And so we're going to share communion this morning. And, and communion, it's really all about, um, you know, that meal was first shared on Thursday of that week. And then really, Jesus, he was really showing them and talking about what was coming on Friday when he talked about his body and his blood being broken and shed for the sake of the world. And since God has loved us that much, and invested and stay committed to us that much, then it's not too much for God to ask us to do the same for one another. If y'all bow your heads with me. God, we love you so much. And we thank you for loving us. We thank you for loving us when we don't deserve it at all. We thank you for loving us when we fail and when we make mistakes and when we're selfish and so self-centered and God, we thank you for loving us when we are bitter and angry. We thank you for loving us when we have violence in our hearts and when it even spills out into the way we treat one another. We thank you for that grace and that love that you show us each and every day. We thank you for the forgiveness that you offer us. And we pray that we would receive that, Lord, and rest in that and and build our life upon that foundation of love that, that you have shown us, that we would build our lives upon that true, the truth that we are your children and that we are deeply loved by you. And Lord, I pray that we would also allow all of that to consume us and to work within us and transform us, Lord, from the inside out. And that we would also show that same kind of love and grace to one another as we live life together here in this world. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to truly think about how we view one another, how we view people that the world says are our enemies, that we would really dig in and reflect upon how you lived and how you reached out, how you included. And God, we would allow your example to challenge us and inspire us to be different. Lord, we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon this bread and this juice. Pour out your Holy Spirit on whatever folks have at home that they set aside for this purpose. That, God, they would truly be for us, your body and your blood. That you would fill us up this morning in a fresh and powerful way. And that we would leave here being changed. Because we've encountered you, the God, who is willing to walk among us. And endure suffering and even death for the sake of this world. I've never seen love greater than that. And God, we thank you for that so much. Lord, we need you so much. We pray you would meet us now. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to invite those who are serving communion to start making your way up here to the front. As they're coming forward, I just want to give you a brief instruction as we, you may know, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, we've started taking communion by coming forward and sharing a common loaf. 
a common cup. When you come forward, I encourage you to have your hands open to receive the bread. Your server will rip off a piece of bread. They will dip it in the cup for you and then place it in your hand. Then you can eat it. You're welcome to kneel at the altar and pray if you would like. Um, We also should have someone in the back from the prayer team that would be happy to lift you up in prayer back there if you would like prayer. We also have prepackaged communion elements back there as well if you need those. And I encourage you to to go back there if you would rather do that instead of come forward. No worries at all. But let us uh, pass those out, and I'll invite you to come forward in just a moment. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. You are speaking truth to power. You are laying down our swords. Replanting every vineyard till a brand new wine is poured. And your peace will make us one. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah, Your 
would stand with me for the benediction. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forever. Amen. Go in God's peace.